Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MedTech Impact Podcast, where you get to hear from leaders and innovators who are shaping the future of medical technologies. I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, alongside... And I'm Richard Mikuljong. And today with us, we have a special guest. We have Gita Pedersen, the CEO and co-founder of Genomic Expressions. Gita, welcome to the show. Welcome, it's nice Gita. to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, yes. Well, of course, as we always do, let's start with an introduction. Who are you? Where do you come from? And tell oh. us a little bit about genomic expressions, please. So I'm Danish and I'm a scientist. I'm a mother and I'm a company builder. So my uh, between the t- my, myself and my co-founder is my younger brother. He's got a PhD in genetics and I have a degree in chemical engineering. Um, there's a little uh, sibling rivalry there. <clears throat> My job is to raise the money. He spends it in the lab. And uh, we've, that's been going on for a while. And now we're starting to make money. That's the short version of the story. Oh, so cool. I mean, <laughs> this is probably the first time actually we've heard of a sibling kind of du- dynamic duo there. Um, so really impressive because, of course, you know, uh, I've got siblings. A lot of us out there do. And sometimes it's easy to butt heads. So what's that like? It's uh, pretty amazing because I think I grew up in a household where we welcomed um, disagreement in in a a collaborative form. Um, So, you know, my mother uh, was a model turned um, politician and my dad was a scientist and second generation entrepreneur in his family. By the way, they're all scientists in on that lineage. So um, it was, we discussed uh, the existence of black holes over the dinner table. Um, so you have a lot of conversations and um, uh, that was basically how I got vaccinated with the um, interest in, in science. And I remember a pivotal moment when I realized that all our cells had the same DNA. I thought that was so cool. Tell us the, the, the whole principle, I guess. You know, what's the problem genomic expression is trying to solve? Right. You know, what is the right. technology itself? Right. Oh. And and I, I would add the other the other experience was having both my parents suddenly getting um, diagnosed with cancer. And there was a wake up call because um, they were facing what I would call evidence-based death. Because if you did textbook standard care, uh, they would not survive. And um, that was really hard. Uh, so, you know, as two scientists, we're like, we need this. And we looked at the pipeline of drugs in development. And I had a lot of friends that were developing drugs in the biotech industry. I called all of them up. Um, and there was not any, there wasn't any tools to, to help us navigate that um, chaos we ended entered into. So um, uh, long story short, um, that was really where we realized there was a big need for better um, solutions. And um, because we, Morden's technology was always focused on RNA quantification and everybody knows what RNA here is today, right? So we have mRNA vaccines. Uh, only two to three percent of the DNA is translated into RNA. 
um, because um, uh, the DNA is just stored of information and the RNA is really what the cell is doing. It's the information layer between uh, the DNA and proteins that are really the workout causes. So um, we, we felt that that was much more important information and uh, that there's several hurdles to make that into a clinical diagnostic application that can translate the data into, okay, these are the drugs that works Great. Uh, yeah, so for you. So but we did that. Diagnostic and so like early stage detection, right? So what we, yes. Uh, so I would rephrase that. We're not okay. doing early detection. Other people okay. are doing that because it, um, I wouldn't say simple, but you, it's a binary detection. Is it there or not? Uh, what we are doing is um, uniquely identifying, quantifying all messenger RNAs as 20,000 and then translating that into clinical action by repurposing drugs on an individual patient okay. basis. So let's say <clears throat> you get diagnosed with cancer and um, after a conversation with your doctor, he says, you should take these drugs. This is a standard of care, but only 50% response rate. I'm like, it's like flipping the coin, you know, right. do I belong to that 50 or the wrong 50? And I want to know which one, right? Because if I'm not going to benefit from this treatment that most likely is going to deteriorate my health, wipe out my immune system and, and take my hair off, then I want something else. I want to go into a clinical study. Those algorithms doesn't exist. And it's so obvious to me because you can just there's a book of them they just never get clinically validated and there's a bunch of reasons for that that i won't go into here but uh, the other thing you want to know okay so now i i'm i'm not gonna go into the textbook version because i'm in the wrong 50 percent then what and and that's the question we can help answer because we can identify already approved drugs, not just one. We, we can look at certain mechanisms. I don't want to go into too many details, but there's the chemo, the targeted, and the immune therapy. It's only immune therapy that really has um, very long benefits. At this point, if you teach your immune system to recognize the cancer, the risk of recurrence is less, but not all um, tumors respond to immune mm. therapy, and then you, you need something else. Mm. And so you're taking this novel approach, and, and I'm sure for our listeners, you, know, you mentioned messenger RNA, and, mm -hmm. and of course, it's been around, but I think more and more to the point you made it through the pandemic, people became aware about the potential of what it can do. Yeah. What does that look like from a patient perspective? Like, so if a patient comes to genomic, you know, how, what's the interaction like? So first of all, um, uh, they need a prescription from the doctor for us to analyze their tumor. But um, uh, uh, you, you need, we need a slice of the tumor tissue. It's most likely a paraffin-embedded um, uh, block, or a, we can just get a scroll. They have to contact the pathology uh, department uh, of where their last biopsy was performed and then get them to send it to us. Those are the two steps. And then that's it. We will analyze it and send the report back to their uh, doctor. And then they can discuss the results with the doctor. The doctor is ultimately the one that's going to kind of 
um, advise the patients on which um, treatment they're going to take. And are patients able to access uh, your platform today? Yes, in breast cancer. We started in breast first. We just got a grant in rare cancers um, because we, <laughs> there, there are hurdles. Um, if we we purpose a drug that is approved in breast to an ovarian cancer patient, the, the insurance company may not want to pay. And mm. I thought very hard, how can I uh, fix this problem? Because we can, we can see that for those patients that are running out of treatment options, we, we need these other additional treatments, or we, we may even want to move them into first line. So we, we, we're planning to set up a study where uh, we're focusing on rare cancers. And in my world, all cancers are rare, but that's a you know side note. Uh, according to the NCI, it's every cancer that has less than, I think, 20 or 40,000 cases a year. And again, we just got the grant uh, so we can um, uh, do that study. And that will give give us data to repurpose those drugs and increase the label uh, so that uh, these drugs can be used in these patients. That's so great. And in terms of you, so you're helping patients find the best treatments, but what's that turnaround? Because you mentioned, obviously, you know, you're getting the materials. Right. Every uh, it would take them longer to get it sent to us than it takes us to analyze it. That's the wow. reality of it. Um, it's, it's a couple of weeks and, uh, and then we, again, send the report back, um, and then obviously then the next stage you have to get approvals and, and access to, to that treatment, um, through your institution. You know, you talk, you talk about, um, the, the, the coverage aspect, right. Insurance yes. and, 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 you know, it's kind of interesting. That's just such a huge challenge reimbursement and stuff. Yeah. And, for, for, you know, med tech companies. And, um, you know, it's interesting though, cause it just, it sounds like, you know, if you're helping provide a better diagnosis and if you're, you know, helping identify the best treatment options so that, you know, they're not wasting time and money and appointments and drugs that aren't helping and that, you know, it sounds like there would be a significant benefit. Is that kind of the approach or am I just way off? I'm trying to no, you're connect not. the dots. And, and, and so, no, you're not. But I think that we are in an industry that is driven by data and, and data for one patient is just not enough, right? You need data from a cohort and we need to generate that data. And that's why I'm, you know, fundraising because unless we get that data, there won't be, be um, coverage, there won't be support. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't offer it now because patients can and some patients can and will pay out of pocket, but that's certainly not ideal. Um, and that's why we, we want to uh, get to that next stage where that is not a, that's no, there's no longer any friction there. We, mm -hmm. we do need to get to that stage. And, and is the focus still in the breast cancer um, um rare cancer you... would be again per definition breast cancer is not a rare cancer there's 250 cases a year right right um but most of them is actually um uh, because we screen detected earlier um and so there's other tests to opt out of chemo for the, those patients 
the ones that are detected later, there's actually some very effective drugs. Um, but there are patients that are progressing and, and the segment that uh, typically uh, have less treatment options are the triple negative breast cancer patients because they don't have access to targeted therapy in the first line of treatment. And those patients progress uh, faster and have less uh, favorable outcomes. Those are the uh, segment that we're focusing on for one RNA in breast, but then everything else that has less than, I think, again, 20,000 cases, which is a lot, you know, I think ovarian cancer is one of them. <clears throat> That's one of the uh, cancers that we are uh, started, uh, we already started uh, looking into because um, for non-scientists, it probably shouldn't be surprising, but um, let me just say it, you know, uh, breast cancer, a significant sub uh, population of breast cancers are driven by hormones. And um, that will also be the case for ovarian cancer, but we haven't approved the drugs for mm -hmm. ovarian cancer, but it shouldn't be surprising, right? Mm -hmm. These are the reproductive organs that are uh, modulated and controlled through hormones. So, so we, we hope that, and it's supported in literature that we can repurpose some of those drugs. And how do you feel when you're thinking about these challenges you're talking about? It's obviously raising funding is part of that, but I guess across the industry, accessing data is still a big challenge because obviously- Accessing never... data or payer? Support. Um, I think the data specifically, because I think, you know, there's a yeah. lot of data out there, but actually getting access yeah. to it is very challenging. Yeah, I think that uh, as an industry, we have to find new ways to collaborate around sharing the data. I firmly believe that at the end of the day, the patient should own the data. That's also the case now, but there are actors that will try to get you to sign off on uh, everything and then um, use the data in a way that you didn't know or the, it, it, sometimes they literally say they won't use the data in that way. Um, FTC just went after a couple of those companies so you can just Google that. Um, uh, I think this is really problematic. I think it's very important that um, patients can trust um, providers. We are a provider per definition that they will um, keep that data on the locks mm -hmm. and not sell it to advertisers. Mm -hmm. So so there are certain things that needs to be in place in order to share data. Uh, among providers, there are systems in place to enable that. It still needs the patient's consent. But you're touching upon something that is super, super important. Yeah, huge potential to improve areas like that. And Kyle, something we hear a problem again and again for founders who come on is obviously this fundraising aspect. Mm. And so, Agita, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about, you know, your personal experiences in, in trying to fundraise for your company. Yeah. Um, so we had a fantastic JP Morgan in 2020, and I came home with an upper respiratory disease, and um, and I could, in the follow-up, sense that everybody was kind of uh, threading water. And, uh, and then I couldn't get a COVID test in New York. So we pivoted into COVID testing in record time and found our own FDA EUA. Um, so 
uh, we made money instead of raising money for a while. Now we are still in in a place where, in order to make our next pivot, uh, it is uh, re- necessary for us to uh, fundraise because there's delaying payers. There's we need to final, uh, you know, finance this study that I stipulated, and then that p- payer support will be there for the patients and for us. You have to build a business that's sustainable as a business person, right? But when I hit the market in 2023, it was less favorable, right? We decided not to pull back this time because we are ready. And, um, uh, you know, we can, I've been able to get in front of people. We're still able to get in front of people. Everybody's kind of, again, threading water. But this time we keep banging on the doors. So, yeah. And probably circling full back, uh, Kyle, you know, we touched on this earlier about Gita's leadership, and this is probably the, the perfect time to sort of touch on your <laughs> determination and, you know, how you're just banging on doors, as you say, and making things happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen if you're afraid of uh, contacting people, right? <laughs> <laughs> Spoken so... like a real sales professional <laughs> right there. Yeah. You know? So, um, so... I'm actually, I, I love, I love people. I love having conversations and I'm few, you know, I'm an extrovert, so that helps me, but it, it's also a, a navigation uh, thing, you know, what kind of investors are the right fit uh, for who we want to become. Uh, so one of the, the things that I say to other um, uh, founders is that you become who you pitched your investors. So if this is the company and this is how you're going to, this is who you're, you're going to become. So it's important that, that you have the right investors on board. Um, I've been very uh, successful uh, on getting smaller uh, amounts uh, uh, funded through high net worth individuals and uh, angel groups. And I will several times, I, I, this is a word of encouragement. Most of my bets were wrong. What does that mean? It means that you have to throw a lot of mud on the wall and then you have no, you don't know which one is going to stick and, and, and then take it <laughs> when it sticks. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a sales process and you need to manage it and you need to follow up and follow through. Yeah. And you know, that it's really cool because like you have just such this, you have like the, such of the right attitude and mindset. And, um, and so it's no surprise where, you know, I'm really, you know, you didn't really mention the challenges of maybe being a woman leader, right? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of times where, you know, we hear about those challenges where, you know, there's a woman that's starting a company, she's the leader, and maybe you're not giving that respect, but it's just, <laughs> It's it, it's it's so. Cool. I have I I will say I have yeah. always been um, uh, able to obtain respect. I never felt disrespected. Yeah. Um. I felt sometimes that um, I was wasting my time. There was a hidden agenda in certain meetings, and sure. um, that was a waste of my time. Yeah. So um, you know, I I think that when. No matter whether you're a man or a woman, 
uh, you have to kiss a lot of frogs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to say it. It's a numbers game here. Come on, it is a know. numbers game. Yeah. And so um, if, you, if you don't get discouraged, and you cannot be discouraged by rejection, obviously, mm. um, but you can, you can ask uh, why, right? So that you can use that information um, to kind of modify your pitch or to maybe modify your target. And we have done the latter, right? So um, in the beginning, when we, we had some people on the board that knows a lot of VCs and it was like, we only invest in drugs, we only invest in drugs. I'm like, why are we still talking to these guys if they only invest in drugs and stop talking to them? Sure, exactly, <laughs> They're not a drug right? company, okay? So, but then it's also finding uh, fundamentally diagnostics is super unsexy. Okay, so mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. if you um, pitch this as a diagnostic company, you're also not gonna get anywhere, and that have nothing to do with my gender. <laughs> it's just the circumstances that the company's in, and and we have to to navigate that. Um, I I I think that. Um, we back to to it's there's a, a business model, throw in a twenty million dollar bill to develop a drug, <clears throat> sell it for um, a billion to or more to to a pharma company. That's where very well known. It's much well less well established that you can do the same for diagnostics. There's fewer cases, there's fewer examples. It have happened. Um, but it's much more difficult. And so um, what we have to prove is that, you know, through the strategy that we're putting together, the numbers that we supported with, that we believe we can do it. Mm -hmm. And and I think what we did, did during the pandemic kind of support that we're not completely a bunch of nerds that, that don't know how to sell because we took a company that was grant funded to a commercial stage clinical lab in, in record time. I can't recommend it, it's, uh, sleepless nights and a lot of um, efforts uh, getting things done in a extremely short time frame. but we did it. And we I built can... a lot of infrastructure that we now can use yeah. to do that. You make such an interesting point, though, that I feel like is so relatable, you know, Richard, especially like all the companies, right, that we see and talk to a part of Impact and, and M2D mm. to it and, and all these companies coming to market. I thought what you what was really interesting that you said was that you, you don't it's it, it's it's not like sexy to say like oh we're a diagnostic company so you no. gotta find a, a way to to better yes. communicate you know your platform your technology it's so funny it's so relatable because i mean over here right what what we do every day if, if we say oh we build this and this it's like, oh, okay, so does everyone else, right? So what is it yeah. really truly that's unique and special about you? And I think that's such a valuable yeah. point for any leader, yeah. right? Bringing a, a product or technology to market. And I just wanted to shed some light on that. Um, uh, you know, you. but I'm, I'm interested, you know, be, because you know, we're always fascinated, you know, here you are today, you've, you've brought, you've brought 
part of your platform, the market today, it's available in the women's mm-hmm. health space space for breast cancer, uh, diagnostic tool. And, 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 you know, you're, you're raising, you know, capital to, to, um, go ahead and, and continue to develop, you know, tests for other forms of cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. So what mm-hmm. does that future look like, you know, from now and like in the next five years, where do you guys see yourself in those five so- years? So I'm so super excited about the next uh, five years because I've been, I'm, I'm fueled by having the ability to help uh, the patients. So that's a big part of my excitement. Mm-hmm. The other part is that we have shown that we can develop drugs using mRNA vaccine technology in nine months from code to product. Mm-hmm. I'm delivering the code, okay? And my vision is why are we why are we trying to make people look alike? They, your tumor back to, I said every tumor is rare. Mm-hmm. We need to make individualized cancer vaccine development. And here's the good news: it is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it is damn cheap to do nucleic acid based um, chemistries compared to all the. <laughs> You know, I come from the protein world, fermentation, you know, you have all this impurities in in the um, in the fermentation process that you then have to, um, this was my first job, so I know I had my fingers in it, um, uh, that you have to remove, and um, here we are, it's just code, and, and we know we can inject it, and the this code will translate into the drug inside your body. It's amazing. So this, this is my vision. And, and because, and I will probably be uh, deemed like an, a complete lunatic if it wasn't because mRNA vaccines have now been approved and in this kind of record time. And, and, and we believe we can do this. So I think that so many um technologies that are just you know there <laughs> right it, that's like the future of personalized medicine too it's it's said over <laughs> and over right is treating yeah. specific individuals especially in the world of cancer yeah. so that's that's incredible Kyle um, I'm feeling yeah. inspired um, I know we've covered a lot today Gita but I wondered if you could share with our listeners you know if you're going to give any key advice for people thinking about starting a business or running an early stage biotech or medical device company, what would that be, that sort of leaving thought for them? I think that it's it's hard, but it's so much easier if it's something that you really, really care about, because there will be these, you know, it's not, it. honestly, it, every time you get to a top and you can see over it, there's another mountain, okay? So, um, and there's a lot of stuff that happens in a company. Um, I tell my husband I have a shit box, and all the noise goes into the shit box, and then I just deal with it. Okay, I don't attach any emotions to shit. You know, it's just shit. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, but but, but you just have to clean your head from shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got to And it. and That's just it. deal with it. Just deal with it because. Um, and, and when, when you go through these, uh, ups and downs, the roller coaster ride, um, it's easier to do that when you really care about what you do. 
I, I think that is, you know, that's very, very true. I could have been an entrepreneur in other places too, and I just don't care about it. <laughs> right. Well, your motivation is coming through loud and clear. Gita, this is uh this has been quite the conversation, and it's really been Thank a you. pleasure having you on here today. Um, it's just so refreshing to have uh, you know we're all people we're human here right so you talk about the ship box you know <laughs> you say things how it is and we need more of that in this world so having yeah. you on today you know um was a real treat and we can't thank you enough um so thank you very cool it's One my last pleasure. Thing. thank you so I'm much ask yes. you so much Gita. please tell yeah. us if people want to get in touch with you yes what's the best way i mean I'm i see super your easy. yeah i'm super easy to get hold of on linkedin I'm also on Twitter, DNA Barcode, um, and uh, through our website. Um, um, and if you uh, want to email the company, is info at genomicexpression.com, and we will get back to you. Okay. Perfect. So, Super. so we're very responsive. Well, on that note, I think that'll do it. So Gita <laughs> Pedersen, CEO and co-founder of Genomic Expression. Once again, thank you so much for coming on our show. Can't wait to share your story with the world. And until next time, I'm Kyle Cruz. And I'm Richard Wickeljohn. And you're watching and listening to the MedTech Impact Podcast. Keep innovating. <laughs>